Aren't you glad there's some things in life you can count on? There's some things that we have as our foundation, and, and we really realize that that is the Word of God. And this morning, I hope you uh, are ready to, to look into God's Word. We're going to just, in this time we have, finish up a teaching series we've been on uh, called It Is Written. Because we believe at Hope Church that the one thing in this world that we can absolutely count on is what God has told us in His Word. And His promises are for all of us. They're not just for a few. And God encourages us to know Him through His Word. So I want you to do this. Get your Bibles, or if you have it on a phone app, or your iPad, whatever you're using. And go ahead and open up your Word this morning. And we're going to spend time together in that. Uh, in fact, today our, our theme verse we're going to be looking at is, is a verse that we've spent a lot of time in John's Gospel. And uh, it is found in John chapter 8. So turn to John chapter 8 if you would. As you're doing that, this is a special week in, in, our, in our country, in the U.S., and uh, we honor our, our veterans on this week, and it's so critical that we do so because we never want to forget our past. Do you understand that? We learn from our past, and we honor those who have served us so well. So if you are a veteran today, if you have served in our, our armed forces at any point in your life, I want you to stand up this morning because we want to honor you, and we want to thank you for your service. And we have Mateo, we have Steve, come on. Hey, there we go. Come on. We are so thankful. And uh, it's so critical that we, we honor those who've served us so well. Hey, real quick, uh, a lot of, as you can imagine, with what's happened uh, last week in our country with uh, the terrible tragedy in my home state back in Texas, I've been getting a lot of emails from you guys about security. And uh, can I tell you, we do not live in a perfect world. Can we agree with that? But we do our best to do things well. And while we are here at the uh, rec center, we are blessed because our great city provides for us a police officer every Sunday out front. Uh, we don't pay for that. He's there with us. But when we come to our new building very soon, we're already making measures to make sure that, that there is a secure presence on our, our property uh, because of our, our children, because of our lives. But can I tell you this? God has to be our strength and God has to be our hope. The Bible says we're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I don't want a church to become a fort, all right? I want a church to be a place where people can come and know about Jesus, and we don't have to run them through metal detectors to get them in, okay? So there is some level of trust we always have to live in because guess what? We live in a world where there is evil. But our God says that we overcome evil by our love. So I want to encourage you guys, be praying, let's trust God together, and let's see what God can do in us and through us. Well, hey, do you have your Bibles ready? John chapter 8, where we're going to dive right in this morning. Uh, we're talking today about how do you hold on to this Word? How do you hold on to the Word of God? That which you have been putting in your life, we've been teaching you how to do that the last several weeks. And in John chapter 8, Jesus was speaking to a group of Jewish believers uh, that had put their, their hope in him. And he, and he made a statement that is so critical for us to understand if we are to follow him as believers today. And in John chapter 8, verse 31, he said this. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are then really my disciples. He said there's, there's something that you do that, that is, a, is a, a proof or a standard of those that walk with me. And that is you hold to my teachings. And then he says, then something comes out of that, which is amazing. He says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Help me out here. It'll set you free. And how many want to be in freedom this morning? Amen. But it comes not by following other things, but it comes by following God. So, so the question is, if God has given us this freedom, and he's given us his truth through his word, then how do we hold on to that? 
And how do we walk in the promises of God day by day by day? I shared early in this series that the impetus for this series came out of conversations. Where we were just talking in a community groups and among ourselves, and we were, we were talking about the Word of God, and several said, you know, I, I'm just having a hard time spending time in the Word. I'm so busy, which is the curse of our day. I'm so distracted, or I have so much on my plate that I just can't get into God's Word. And yet, that's kind of like us saying, you know what, I don't have time to eat. And I don't, but we always make time to eat, right? Or I, I don't have time to sleep, but we, we need sleep. Because it makes our body live. But the same token, guys, the Word of God is our life. And we need to wait, find ways to spend time in it. And this morning, I'm going to help you do that. So how do you hold on to God's Word? Let's pray together. And as we do, let's just open our hearts up for this Word. Father, thank you, God, that there is truth, God, that is not debated. God, there is truth, God, that doesn't change with culture, Father. God, there is truth, God, that we can put our hope in, we can put our confidence in, and God, we can walk living day by day, trusting that truth to become reality in us. So Lord, I ask you today, God, just as we have sung, we've opened our hearts to you, God, speak to us now, God, that Lord, we are able to walk as people, Lord, of freedom today, and help others to do the same. I pray this in Christ's name, amen and amen. Today, you may want to take some notes, and, and one thing we do to help you is, if you're on your tablet or your phone, if you're in version, where a lot of folks have their Bible, you can go to events, and under events, you can go to Charlotte's Hope Church, and you'll find our study notes right there, the scriptures, the notes, you can, you can put in some uh, of your own comments, but, but I want you to just let this sink into your heart this morning. This is such a critical message as we wrap this up. So how do we hold on to God's Word? The first thing today, and this is the most important point I'm going to bring to you, all right? And that is, if we're going to hold on to God's Word, we really have to make it the foundation of our life. In other words, every part of our life needs to be built on God's Word. We don't just have marriages, we have biblical marriages. And can I tell you, there's a big difference in a biblical marriage and a marriage that's based on the things of the world. We don't just raise kids, we raise kids in a biblical manner. Why? Because God's Word has promises that we trust when we raise our kids to know Him. We, we don't just go to work in any other way. We, we go to work as believers. In other words, when we show up, our boss ought to be happy. Can I get an amen? When we show up, people ought to say they got an ethic that's a little different than the rest of the world because they're not here to serve Bank of America. Hallelujah. They're here to serve the living God. We, we don't do things just to ourselves. Our finances are built on the Word of God. Our future is built on the Word of God. Why? Because the promise of God's Word says this to us. He, Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 24, he said, Everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now that promise there is, is amazing, but can I tell you, it gets better as you read the remainder of that section because he says this. He says, the reason you need to build your house on the rock because, he says, when, not if, when the storms of life come, he says, then your house will stand strong. Can I tell you guys, I wish I had better news than that to say, you know, there's storms coming, but there are storms coming. You may be in one right now, you may be, you may be coming out of one, but I know this about life, storms kind of come and go. But if your life is built on the Word of God, you will stand strong no matter what. But you know, there's so much more that people are building their lives on than the Word of God. In fact, I'll tell you it's easier to build your life on other things other than God's Word. There, there are several things I see people try to find a foundation, and every time it crumbles underneath them. There are those that build their life on popular culture, and it's easy to do. What's the latest trend? 
What's, what's the latest fad? What's the latest book on, on raising kids or having a marriage or doing your finances that have nothing to do with God? But can I tell you, this, this is something you learn over time. The popular will come and go, but the truth of God's word never changes. Guys, culture comes and goes, but the truth of God's word never changes. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to determine how much culture, how much popular culture we let into our lives. How much popular culture we feed upon, because I'm afraid sometimes there are many that feed more on culture than they do on the Word of God, and they wonder why their lives are chaos. Because culture changes. Culture doesn't build you up, it tears you down. You see, here's a truth, you need to write this down, whatever you spend your time on infects your life. Whatever you spend your time on changes who you are. Whatever you spend your time on consumes your thinking, and what it does is it literally becomes the foundation of your life. In the book of Exodus, chapter 23, verse 2, it says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Gang, we have a lot of followers on this earth. God's looking for some leaders, amen, who will stand on the truth of God's word and say, I don't have to be popular, but I can tell you this is the way that leads to life. So I see a lot of people building their life on popular culture. Another thing I see people building their lives on is tradition. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with tradition. Can I get a witness to that this morning? Some traditions are very good. It's like this Sunday every year we have plaid Sunday at Hope called Chili Cook-Off. And that's a tradition, and I don't mind traditions. But yet sometimes we can take traditions of man and elevate them to a place where they are higher than the Word of God. And can I tell you, we are in trouble when we do that because tradition itself is not bad. But when tradition contradicts the truth, tradition needs to change. I'm distressed, honestly, in our own country today uh, so much about the, the church of Jesus Christ. Because there are many churches that have held on to tradition but have taken no thought about having a problem with changing the truth of God's word and then calling themselves progressive. And I have a problem with that. Because you can, you can hang on to tradition all you want to. But tradition is not going to take you to heaven. But if you change the truth of God's word, the Bible says you are in a dangerous place because God's word has been for everlasting to everlasting. And there's nothing progressive about changing the truth. It's only truth that will set men free. That's why Jesus said in Mark, 8, Mark 7 verse 8, he says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. It was a condemning statement. It wasn't a blessing. So we can't build our lives just on tradition. We can't build our lives on popular culture. We can't build our lives even on reason. Oh, reason is, a, is an amazing thing. I, I, I remember in college taking courses on, on logic and reason and how we are to think. And uh, can I tell you something today? Reason values man's opinion much more than it values God's word. And man's opinion changes all the time. What, what reason says is this. It says, I've thought about it and I've determined what is right for me. So this, this, it doesn't matter what God's word says. I've determined what is right for me. And the Bible has something to say about that. And can I tell you, it's, it's, it's a very dangerous place to be. Because if you do that, then you start redefining things. We live in a day where, where man, even some in the church, are redefining marriage and redefining sexuality opposite of what God's word teaches. And we do that in the name of reason because it may seem right to us. But the scripture gives us a warning in Proverbs 16, 25. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I don't know about you, but I, I've chosen to go with God. I've chosen to go with the one who created this universe. I've chosen to go to the one who's given us truth. Because I, I, I don't want to follow man. God, man is not all wise, but God is all wise. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough place. 
if you build your walk totally on reason. Here's the fourth one, and this is the most dangerous of all. And, and can I warn you today, if, if this is your life, today's a good day to change. There are many people who build their lives on feelings. Do you know anybody? Don't poke someone like sitting next to you right now. Come on. Feelings. You, you can't trust your feelings. How many know that feelings lie, all right? Do you understand that? Because feelings determine based on whether you had a good cup of coffee or not in the morning, whether you had a good night's sleep, or whether your dog greeted you or you have a cat that keeps you always in a bad mood. It doesn't matter what you feel. What matters is what is right. And when it comes to building your life, can I tell you something? When, when feelings get ahead of choices, you're just going to have chaos, if you go based on what you think, there are people that walk with God this way. Oh, I think God really has pleased me today. But then you meet them the next day, and they're all down in the dumps. Like, why? Why well, I think God is disappointed in me. Can I tell you, how can God be disappointed in you when he knows your every action before you even do it, and his grace has covered us, and he's given us his love? But yet we walk with this feeling of somehow we never can have that relationship with God that he wants us to have. But guys, listen, I choose, and we need to learn to choose to live in what God's word says. That says that he is my God, that I can trust him. When I draw near to him, he draws near to me. When I walk with him, even though it may seem silent, he is with me. We sang about that this morning. And we have to be people that overcome feelings if we're going to have a foundation that stands. We teach this in the freedom group that we lead on Wednesday night. And I, I think you need to just get this into your head, guys. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. If you choose to do what's right and you choose it long enough and walk in it, someday you will walk in that peace that comes with it. But if you choose to go after your feelings, you will never, ever have that peace in your life. Israel did this. There was a period of history where, where the kingdom of Israel just walked in chaos. And it's because they got away from the truth. They got away from their, the structure of leadership God had, had allowed them to have. They had no king. And in Judges 21, it says this. It says, at that time, there was no king in Israel. And people did whatever they felt like doing. Can you imagine our city if everyone did what they felt like doing? Can you imagine driving down 85 if everyone felt like doing what they felt like doing? I mean, come on. If we all did what we felt like doing, I'd be visiting all of you in prison right now because, again, we have these feelings that are not to be trusted sometimes. They need to come under the Word of God. So when it comes to building your life on the foundation of God's Word, there's really two questions you have to answer. And this is where we're going to build off the rest of this message. Two questions that every one of us have to answer. And the first one is simply this. When I'm reading God's Word, what do I do when I come to a place where I don't understand something in the Bible? Has anyone ever had that experience besides me? You, you read something in the Bible, you're like, what? <laughs> help, me, help me out, God. I need some explanation here, okay? There are times that we read things that we don't initially understand. And there's times we read things and, and they're hard for us to understand. But, but remember this, God's ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And there are times when we're trying to get a hold of the truth and we need to spend time in it because maybe right off the bat we don't understand it. But the only way to really get to it is we have to decide, are we going to trust him or not? We have to decide, even if I don't understand him, am I, I going to trust him or not? I, I chose a long time ago not to devote my life to my reason. I don't want to serve a God that's only as big as my brain. Because I don't understand a lot of things in this earth. I don't understand a lot of things in this universe, but I know the one who created it. And because of that, I can trust him. So I have to decide, God, am I going to trust you in this or not? The second question is harder, though. 
And that is, what do I do when I understand it, but I don't like it? You know, we've all been there, haven't we? What do you mean, love my enemy? Come on, God, I, I, want, I, want, I want hellfire and brimstone. Come on, I want, I want to go all the Old Testament on them. Well, what do you mean, turn the other cheek when someone's hurt me? Because after all, vengeance is, oh, that's right, it's yours, not mine, isn't it, God? What, what do you mean that, God, you own it all? <laughs> what do you mean that I am your, your servant, God? What do you mean in all this? And we see things in Scripture and we say, God, I, I understand it, but I don't like it. Can I tell you that we don't adjust the Bible to fit our desires? We fit our desires to what the Bible teaches. If we're going to have a foundation we can stand on, we have to trust God and obey even when we don't like maybe what he is saying. Listen. Here's a truth you need to understand. There are some truths in the Word of God you will never understand until you obey them. The, 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 the understanding comes after. The understanding comes as you walk out obedience. But yet we want, to, we want that confirmation forever. Trust Him. Can I tell you, if that is the case, none of us would be saved. Just think with me for a second, all right? How are we saved? Talk to me this morning. What are we saved by? Yeah, come on, guys. You're not waiting on Chile to get excited this morning. How are we saved? Right, we're saved by grace, right? Through what? Faith. What is faith? Faith is taking hold of something I do not see. Faith is stepping out in a way I've not gone before. Faith is trusting something that I've never trusted in my life before. So if we don't step out in obedience to the teaching, we will never be saved. We'll be sitting back and say, God, prove to me that, Lord, if I have faith in you, then, God, my life's going to be different. Guys, our life is not different until we trust him. Our life is not different until we put our faith in him. Our life is not changed until we put our hand in his and say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of all. So we have to build our life on this foundation. We have to come around God's word and say, God, I'm going to trust it. I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to act on your word. Because here's the thing. If we don't do that, the rest of what I'm going to teach you this morning really doesn't matter. If we don't decide ahead of time, God, your word is my foundation, then the rest of what I'm going to teach you really doesn't matter. But if you're there, let me give you the rest of it so I can help you out. If you want it to be your foundation, the second point this morning is this. Make it the first part of your daily life. How many know that God has something, uh, he's very keen about priority. Do you know that? God, God teaches a lot of things that are done in order through his word because he is, there are priorities that he honors. And one of the things the Bible says in Matthew 6, is we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Let me just stop right there. Honestly, that's what we seek more than anything else. We were, but God, what about this? And God, I've got this need, and how am I gonna, how am I gonna pay for that? And God, uh, this person's sick, and what are we gonna do? And, and we come to God, and we're not seeking him, we're just seeking answers. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God, which is his rule, his authority, his power, and in, in all his righteousness, his goodness. He says, then all these things will be given to you as well. I, I, love, I love what scripture says, and it says that when I pray, God already knows what I'm going to ask, but he says, ask anyway. When I come to God, he already knows what I need, but he says, present your request to me with thanksgiving. God already is moving on my behalf because he loves me and I'm his child, but can I tell you, he calls us to that place of faith to say, I'm going to seek you first because, God, when I seek you, God, you come. When I seek you, God, your power comes. When I seek you, God, your authority comes in every situation. So how do we do that? 
I'm going to get very practical in these moments here because for some of you, it's just not, it's not in your nature to walk this out, but I'm going to help you out, okay? So how do we practically do this? And this is very minimal, but understand, I really believe for some, this is going to be very life-changing. And it's really a principle I just call the first 15, okay? First 15, nothing magical about that, but it's very simple, practical thought this morning, and that is when you wake up in the morning, I don't know what your routine is. Mine is coffee, please with a Bible next to it, but but there's an order there, okay? But there's something about saying, God, I'm going to start my day, Lord, with you. And God, I'm going to start my day not with the news. I'm not going to start the day with all the troubles of the world, God. I'm going to start my day with you. So I I encourage you to to challenge you to to take the first 15 challenges, what I call it, and that's simply this. When you get up in the morning, spend five minutes in God's Word. And that doesn't sound like a lot, does it? Some of you are like, oh my goodness, Mike, that is so wimpy. Really? The average person spends about 30 seconds maybe over their life, over their week in God's Word. And that may be a little proverb that pops up on your phone or something. Spend five minutes in God's Word. We talked about it. We have Bibles up here. We talked about the value of a paper Bible. But there's so many, we are so blessed today. There's so many things that help us. I mean, right here, I get up. My, my, my word comes up to me every time I open the iPad in the morning. It's like, there's you version. There's my scripture reading plan. I'm going to spend five minutes with God. And you can do that through the one-year Bible. You can do it through Proverbs. You can do it through Psalms, the Gospels. Whatever it takes, can I tell you, you might even not have time to, to sit at a table with coffee. You may be in your car. Do you know there are apps that will read the Bible to you as you're traveling along? And your commute will probably be a whole lot better with a little bit of Jesus. Can you understand that? Than, than, than whoever else you're listening to. But here's the thing. We've got to spend time in God's Word. Why? Because Psalm 119 says, God, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, Lord, today I need light. God, I need my path straight. And God, if I just get it out of the paper, I get it off the news or off talk radio, guess what, God? My path is already messed up because I'm already caught up in the world. But we need to spend time in God's Word. Let it speak to us. So spend the first minutes, five minutes in God's Word. Here's the second part of the first 15. How about five minutes in worship? You're like, wait a minute, Pastor. I don't have the band at my house. How am I going to worship God? How many of you know that worship is not just what we did a few minutes ago? Worship is a choice we have every single day to honor God with our heart and our soul, our mind and our strength. You know, some of us honestly hope we still don't get why we start the service the way we do. We, there are still some of you here today that you show up for the word. I'm, I'm honored, but I'm disappointed. Because the word is not going to impact your heart unless your heart has been prepared to receive God's word. It's like the stony ground in the parable. The, sowed, the seeds are going to get sown on it. They're just going to bounce off. Worship is dynamic. Worship is powerful. You don't have to be a singer to worship God. Can I get an amen to that? And some of you are good at that, all right? But there's this thing, if you don't know how to get a little worship in you in those five minutes, called Spotify. I, I think God ordained Spotify. And the reason I like it is because there are things on there you can set as like prayer music, worship music. There are things you can just plug in, put your earbuds in, get a little time with Jesus. Why? Psalm 34, 1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will wear. Come on, help me out. Say it. Always be on my lips. Can you imagine that? His praise will always be on my lips. Why? Because I extol him at all times. So we spend our first five minutes in the Word. We spend our first five minutes in prayer. I mean, in the Word, in worship. And then we spend five minutes in prayer. Prayer is not hard, guys. Uh, It's just not hard. Let me give you a simple outline for five minutes in prayer. 
It's simply this. Thank God for everything in your life, and then tell him about your concerns. Don't get those out of order. Stop and thank God for what's going on in your life. And can I tell you, if you really honestly do that, five minutes is nothing if you start thinking of all God's blessing in your life. I don't, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. I, I'm not sitting in your living room or your bedroom or anything else. But literally, I, I, God, I thank you that I am alive today, God. I thank you that I have breath. God, I thank you that I have family. God, I thank you that I get to do this and lead a church. God, I thank you, Father. For, and I just begin to go through the list of my life. And when I do, by the time I get to my petitions or my requests, I'm like, God, you have blessed me so much, Father. I trust you no matter what, God. So, Father, here's my needs, and I thank you. God, that you're already on the job. You're already working on them. Why? Because he's a faithful God. But I spend those time with God because I don't want to start my day and say, God, catch up. I want to start my day with God. Then I get the promises of his blessing. Philippians 4, one of my favorite passages, verses 6 through 7, says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now check it out. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to walk in the peace that God provides? Who doesn't want to walk in the joy that he has promised? But it begins by coming to him in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, saying, God, Lord, you are my father. You are my king. And God, today I choose, God, to walk with you. So if we're going to do this, guys, we need to make it a priority. If it's going to be the foundation of our lives, we've got to prioritize it. The third thing we need to do this morning is simply this. If we prioritize it, we make it the foundation, we also need to make the Word of God grow deeper into our lives. I want to show you something this morning. Denise is going to help me out here. Here's a statement I want you to understand. You control how much of God is in your life. You ever think about that? You control how much of God is in your life. I asked Denise to be my uh, assistant here this morning. We're going to do this very carefully because she is bringing me some very, very hot water. Thank you, baby. And a tea bag. All right. Object lessons. Don't you love it? Everybody know what this is? Oh, come on. Yes, tea bag. Okay. Thank you. I know. Hot water. This is you without God's word. It's kind of empty, right? See right through it. Kind of thin. Not a whole lot going on. And we choose how much of, of God really gets into our lives. And, and the word of God says, Colossians 3, 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. For many of you, what, what, I, what, I, what I see you as and what you walk in is what I call one-day dippers, okay? And that is you show up on Sunday morning, you're saying, please, Pastor Mike, bring me some word. Oh, there it is. Thank you very much. I don't see much change. Okay, I'll bring you a lot of word, so I'll bring you a little bit more. And okay, there, there, there you go. See, it's getting a little, you know, we're going to have, yeah, tea communion. Uh, as pastors, we really think that what we do matters a whole lot more than it does. And I really would like to think that I send you out of your full, but truly that's about as good as it gets right there. Because that's the only one day dip you get. But when you choose to wake up on Monday and spend some time in God's word, and then Tuesday in God's word, and Wednesday and Thursday, and you start spending some time in God's word, you can already see the difference. It starts changing you. It starts getting in you. It starts working through you. I can even smell the aroma that comes off of it. Why? Because we choose how much of God's word to get on us. And if we're just going to be single-day dippers, then we're going to just be very, very limited in our knowledge and our strength in God's word. So again, how do we do this? Here's very practical again, guys. 
If you're going to spend time in God's Word, get a translation you understand. Can I get a witness of that? Come on. I have people ask me, like, Pastor, what's up with the translations? Why, why, why do we need all these translations of the Bible? And the answer is because we only understand most of us English. And the Bible was not written in English. You know that, right? It, it was not ever written in English. But yet, there was this wonderful translation that came out in like 1611. How many know that's a few years back? Called the King James Version. And the reason it came out was it was written in English for the first time. But it was written in English that we do not speak anymore in our lives. And I, and I don't understand. There are some people that are so confused that somehow they think God is from England. God is not from England. And, and the King James Version is not holier than any else. But I can I tell you, for many of us, that's all we had to grow up on. But yet, Bible scholars over time have said, let us get some translations that we can trust that actually speak in a language we can understand. So I'm going to give you a real quick, this is like a Bible college lesson. There are three types of translations, all right? Three types of Bible translations. I'm going to give you some examples of them. The first one is what we call formal or exact equivalency. In other words, what they did is they went back to the original manuscripts, we talked about this last week, and they translated the Bible word for word for word from those manuscripts. Amazing. The problem is the grammar that they translate them in changes over time. We don't speak like we used to. Hallelujah. I'm not talking in thus and thee this morning. I'm talking to you. So they translated them and they brought them to places where now we can understand them. Here's, here's some examples. The King James. Formal, exact equivalent. It's a wonderful Bible. It is very exact. It's very accurate. It's just hard sometimes to understand. There's the New King James Version. What they did is they took the these and thuses out, and they, uh, they added some more modern language. There's the New American Standard Bible. That's what they typically give to us when we go to seminary. It's very accurate, but it's very wooden when you read it. It's just very, it doesn't flow very well. And then there's the New English Standard Version, which uh, a lot of people are enjoying. But those are formal or exact equivalencies. This is a great study Bibles. But there's a second category of translations that are called functional or dynamic. In other words, there's a little more added to them to help us walk through them. They are still translated from the original text. They're still accurate. They just weren't translated word by word. They were translated thought by thought. They, they were translated in a way that brings to us the ability to study them, to trust them, but to understand them a little bit better. Some of the examples of those are the New Living Translation. Pastor Chad likes that one. There's the Good News Translation. There's the English, today's English version. And then there's the Bible I've been teaching you out of since we started Hope, and that's called the New International Version. And the reason we do that is really because it could also be considered a formal. The translation is great, it's accurate, but it doesn't thee and thus you to death. It helps us walk in what we walk today. And then there's the final uh, group of translations, and this is what we call paraphrase. Paraphrase are wonderful Bibles for uh, devotions. They're not necessarily wonderful for critical study. And two of the most popular of those, one of which was never written for us. It's called the Living Bible. Anyone's ever read, read a Living Bible? Let me see your hands. The, the, I didn't know this, so I was studying this week. The Living Bible, the, the, the man who worked through that translation and all the paraphrase, he did that for his children. He, he wanted his children to be able to read the Word of God in a way they could understand it, so that's where he came up with the Living Bible. It was never meant to be for, for public consumption. 
but it's been a blessing to generations. And then there's the message, Eugene Peterson's transliteration. It's, a, it's great for devotional reading. It's, it's, it's written in the street language of the day. It's kind of like taking David, when David said in Psalm, I was glad when he said unto them, let us go into the house of the Lord. And the message read like, dude, let's get to church. It's going to be awesome, okay? That's the difference in the translations. Here, here's a fun one, okay? We do this in weddings a lot. 1 Corinthians 13. How many had 1 Corinthians in your wedding? Just got to see your hands. Yes, it's, it's common, right? I still don't know what the heck I did when I married Denise because I plighted her my trough at some point. And uh, the only trough I knew was what I fed my horses in, but I, she got my trough, so there you go, because we were King James. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, famous verse. I'm going to read it out of the King James, the NIV, and then the message. So here's the King James. Put it up. Charity, which is love, charity suffereth long. Well, and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, and it is not puffed up. King James. If someone talked to you like that in the street tomorrow, you're like, get behind me, Satan. I'm just telling you. It's just like, what's wrong with you? Then we have the NIV version of it we're more familiar with. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. We can understand those things, Right? And then my favorite is the message. This is awesome. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut and doesn't have a swelled head. Probably not going to read that in a wedding anytime soon, okay? But you get the point, right? You need to get a translation that you can relate to, a translation that, that is something you can understand because the Word of God is meant for us. It's not meant for scholars, Okay? It's meant for us. That's why I don't teach a lot of Greek and Hebrew here because, listen, the Bible's accessible whether you know Greek or Hebrew or not. You need to learn to read the Word of God. But another help that will, will change your life is to get a hold of what I call a study Bible. There, there are some wonderful study Bibles out there that help you understand the Word of God better. And what they are is they're Bibles that, are, that, again, they can be in various versions, but yet the authors, a lot of research has been done where they give you some study notes down below or on the side that help explain a little bit more about what's going on in that particular passage. And that's why, again, I, 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 we give these out. We want you to take one. If you don't have a Bible, please take one. But, but I want to encourage you to find a study Bible to spend some time in. There, there are three that have really impacted my life. I really enjoy them. Maybe you do something differently but they're very good. One is called the Life Application Bible. That's one of those wonderful things like a friend says, so what does the Bible say about this? You know, and you go, oh, let me look at the, okay, there, you, you find in the index the, the topics of life, and you go back and you read the scriptures, oh, this is what the Word of God says about, uh, about parenting, or this is what the Word of God says about when you're sick, or this is what the Word of God says about uh, voting or, or praying for our government. It's the Life Application Bible. My favorite, what I use the most, is called the New Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible. Uh, Jack Hayford, who was one of my mentors, went to his, his university in California where I did my seminary work. Just amazing scholarly work to, to help us understand what the Bible's teaching us in this situation. And then there's a last one that I own that's really been good, especially if you're using the Word of God. Maybe you're doing Bible studies at work or you're called on to teach leadership lessons. But it's called the Maxwell Leadership Bible. Guy named John Maxwell, all he did is he wrote leadership lessons around the scripture. So if you ever called on the last thing, like, hey, can you do a devotion? Yes, I can. Life Application Bible's good. New uh, Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible, Maxwell Leadership Bible. Guys, listen, all these are just helps. God never meant for his word to be far from us. He never meant for it to be hard for us. He calls us to take time in his word, 
to take time in worship, to take time in prayer, because unless it goes deep into us, then we're going to be those one-day dunkers. We're going to show up at church, we're going to get a little bit of Bible. But can I tell you, a little bit of Bible is not going to change your life. It may change you in a moment, but you need the Bible as your foundation. If you're going to live, is a foundation that stands strong. And there's this last point, just how do you get it deeper into you? Get into a small group. I can't say it enough. Get into a small group. We have community groups around Hope Church. There's Bible studies across the city. If you don't know one and you can't find one that works for you, then start one. Invite a friend to come. Why? Because iron sharpens iron, guys. When we come together and we talk about God's Word, it grows in us. When we're challenged with each other, it grows in us. And we need other people around us to discuss it, to help us understand it. Because sometimes, I know this is hard to believe, but sometimes... Some of the teaching you may have gotten growing up in church might not be true. Think about that. Some of you are basing things based on what your grandma said to keep you in line. Some, some of the things we're basing our life on are, are, are fables and myths, but somehow they've been contextualized as somehow coming from God's Word. You need to know God's Word. That's why I tell you every Sunday, what I preach here, go check out. Because you're not going to get saved by Mike, you're getting saved by the Word of God and by Jesus Christ, amen? So we need to get in a small group. There are some of our small groups that study, at the end of you version. there's always discussion questions every week to my sermons. I think those are the most holy groups personally, but anyway, that's uh, because, no, you know what I mean. They're, they're, just, they're there for you to grow in. And then there's a group that I want us all to come to at some point. We're going to offer this in the new building, and it's called the Freedom Group. And honestly, I hope that every one of us at some point we'll come through the freedom group because there's just some things in our lives that need to get off of us. There's some things in our past that need to get broken. There's some things in our lives that we need to be rid of and we want to help you discover freedom. But we do this, why? Because we want God's word dwelling in us. Because again, the more it dwells in us, the more time we spend in God's word, the more we let him shape us and flavor us, the deeper our lives get. And can I tell you something? Only when our lives get very deep and full of God's word does anybody else want to take a taste of our lives. They don't want weak Christianity. It's the old saying, I'd be a Christian if I didn't know some. Because if we stay in the shallow end of the things of God, if we only get dipped on Sunday, can I tell you what? We don't have a lot of life to offer. But when the word of God gets in us, and when people begin to see you standing in the middle of storms, and you putting your hope and your trust in God, and you're not being knocked over like the winds and the waves that knock over people so easily, when they see you living in the truth and loving people with the love of Jesus, can I tell you, that's when you're able to say, listen, take a bite out of what God's done in my life, because he is the one that, God has, that he has for you. It's Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. It only comes when God's word is developed in us. And finally this morning, if we're really going to get it into our hearts, we need to make it a weapon for the challenges of life. Guys, listen, God has given us one weapon. He's given us one thing that we do battle with. It's not our logic. It's not our, 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 our programs. It's not our skill set. It is the word of God. Check this out in Ephesians 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Can I tell you? He goes on to list a lot of armor. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the feet shod with the preparation of peace. You, you know that role. But it only lists one weapon, and that's in verse 17. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And there are times where the enemy of your soul is going to come against you. 
There are times you're sitting in church, he's messing with your heads. There's times you go to pray and you get all worried about everything in life. Well, I'm telling you, that is not the Holy Spirit speaking to you. We have an enemy called Satan that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's shooting these fiery darts at us, the Word says. He's always lobbing these things in our life, trying to get us unsettled, trying to get us focused solely on ourselves. And yet, God has shown us in His Word that the weapon that defeats Him every time is not our perseverance. It's not our church attendance. It's not our skills or our gifts. It is the Word of God. And the very one who showed us how to do this is our Savior Himself, Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in, in the Gospels, you can read it through the Gospels, and in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, he was, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. And Satan would just lob things at him, lies, little twists of truth, things to throw him off his game, try to get him to compromise. And every time, Jesus responded with the same answer. He says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered what? Speak to me. It is written. Can I tell you, there's confidence when you can speak to life, it is written. There's confidence when you're in the hospital and you're standing next to somebody who's struggling and suffering. You say, it is written, my God is the healer. He is Jehovah Rapha, we trust in him. There's confidence when you're going through a struggle with your kids. You begin to proclaim God's word over their lives. And you begin to say, God, but your word says, and it is written, God, and I choose to stand there. There's power in that. Because can I tell you, the enemy of our soul has no answer for it is written. He has no answer for the Word of God. Because it's the truth that sets men free. You say, Pastor, how do I get that in me? How do I do that? Build your foundation on it. Choose this day that you're going to trust God's Word. Make it a priority of your life, not just on Sundays. Spend time in God's Word. If you need help in that, we'll help you. We had a 201 class today. That's part of what that 201 class is about, is to help people get into God's Word. But you need to put the priority there. You need to go deeper in the Word. Get it into you. Get, get a version you like. Read it. Get a hold of it. And finally, guys, listen. There's some scriptures you just need to memorize. There's some scriptures you just need to memorize. My, my memorization is totally messed up. Because all through my teenage years, we got the King James. And that's what I memorized. And then as I became a minister, I started teaching the NIV. So when you ask me to quote you a scripture, I always say, this is Mike's version. It's close. The truth's in there. But it's not necessarily always exact. But I know things that God has embedded into my life that we need embedded into all of our lives. Listen, I know what it is when needs overwhelm you. I know what it is when there's not enough month left. I mean, there's too much bills. Or not, and I know what it is when it seems like it's hopeless. And I can stand and I can say, but you know what? I know that my God shall supply all my need according to his riches, not in the world, not in my job, but according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I know that because the word has promised that. I, I, I know there are times where life can be, make us fearful. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. I don't know what's going to happen to my mom or my dad or my, my family or my house. And yet the Word of God says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I don't have to fear. Why? Because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There's some scriptures you need to get into you. 
There's things that will help you out. There's things when you're tempted, when you're overwhelmed, when Satan seems to be just kind of running amok in your family, and you can stop and say, I know that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world, and I'm going to stand because God is in me, and he's my hope. He's my salvation. One of the first things I ever tried to memorize out of the book of Romans, Romans has so many great scriptures, but whenever I feel overwhelmed, and I share this with you quite often when you call and we're going through, you're going through something. I say, listen, God says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That's not somebody else. That's you. That's not your mom or your dad or your grandma. That's you. But you got to believe it. And you got to stand on it. You see, gang, we didn't come to build a church. We came to build people who know Jesus. We didn't start this ministry nine years ago to get a building. The building's going to be nice, not going to lie. But our hope was to build peeping people who knew the Word of God and are willing to stand on the Word of God and are not angry about it and are not mean about it, but love people and show them the truth. I shared this a week ago. I was interviewing church planters. They're couples that want to plant churches. And one of them was tearing their vision and all this. And basically their vision was, basically it was a, a leadership-driven church. It was all about, I want to teach leadership lessons. And I'm like, praise God for leadership lessons. But can I tell you something? A leadership lesson never saved anybody, but the Word of God can set you free. The Word of God can be claimed and healing comes into your life. The Word of God can come and heal your marriage and your finances. The Word of God, when trusted and believed in, can set the captives free. And guys, we want to be people that proclaim His Word. Amen? So why don't you stand with me this morning? Sometimes I realize that when we teach truth, it's like God having His hand out to us and saying, I want to give this to you, but it's your call. And honestly, this morning, this is where it's at. No one else can read the word for you. No one else can pray for you. I'm not your priest. The Bible says we are a priesthood of believers. I can't worship for you, but I'm going to worship God. Because when I do, it changes my life. And I, I feel a little bit like an old prophet this morning that looks at you and says, here's our response today. Choose today who you're going to serve. It's that simple. If you're going to keep going after your reason and popular culture and your feelings and your traditions, can I tell you, life's just going to stay in chaos. But when you center your life on the Word of God, He brings peace. He brings order. And he brings life.